in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the powerless Glenn Stansberry. <laughs> well done. Well done. We have a different venue tonight here. Um, yeah. Not terribly different. I mean, it's still in the same structure. It's just uh, uh, a little different. We're, we're in a different room because my family... So we... Uh, my family and I were driving back from Arkansas today. And came so, home when our power was out. So, what do we do? Well, Brian and I had already planned on doing the podcast. So, yep. mm-hmm. we uh, we brought my my two children over along with my wife, and they are downstairs <clears throat> watching a movie. Yeah. Uh, while Brian and I are now shuttled upstairs into his spacious, but not quite the same living room. It's basically the size of a bathroom. It's it's. I mean, you know, it's a nice bathroom if it's a bathroom. Yeah. So. Um, but you know, all things considered, I'm I'm happy to be in the nice, cool, cool. Yeah, it's like of the McKinney Manor. Ninety degrees outside it's, right now. Yeah, and it's and uh, rising n- at nighttime. Yeah, <laughs> and rising. It's uh, it's kind of <clears throat> sticky out there, and I know that because I mowed the lawn tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, we, we've we've uh, detailed that in other episodes. Yeah, it was a terrible, terrible thing. <laughs> Um, speaking of terrible things, Glenn, we are co-founders of a site called gentleman.com. And uh, that, you know, I was joking about it being terrible. Sometimes yeah. when you mean the opposite of something, yeah. you know, you're trying, you just, you say the, you say the opposite of what you really mean to That's say. That's right. Brian, um, I hate you. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, I, I hear that all the time. Um, but gentleman.com, it's not that terrible. No. I would say it's mildly terrible. I'd say it's in the bottom third yeah. of things. Not not completely awful. No. You know? So, if that sounds good to you, you mm-hmm. should go over to gentleman.com mm-hmm. and browse around and click things. Um, and maybe, hey, maybe it's your kind of site. Maybe uh, you'll really enjoy it. And you can write us and say, hey, that's not terrible. That's not terrible. Um, you know, so so there's... Uh, make us feel better. Here, you know? Here's the thing. Here's the distinction that needs to be made, Brian. The site itself, what we built... Yes. Could be classified as terrible. Yes. However. The content. The content submitted by our wonderful community. Right. Is no far from it. No one's calling that terrible. No, 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 no. Uh, it's a, it's a, Unless they want a white glove across the face. That's right. Ready for duels. That's right. Anyway, Glenn, that, like I was saying, stop on over to gentleman.com. Uh, browse around. If you get uh, worn out from all the awesomeness on gentleman.com, you can... Bring it down a notch and mm-hmm. go over to podcast.gentleman.com where you can listen to previous episodes of us talking mm-hmm. and uh, that'll, that'll bring you on down, you know, a little, yeah. little and then uh, mm-hmm. if you, if you really feel like it, you can get in touch with us by sending us a letter to the Gentleman Mailbag at PO Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. We will get your letter. We will take it. We will review it. We will put it up on the hall slash wall of fame, which we know and love as the wall of fame. And we will talk about your letter uh, during the a subsequent podcast, ad nauseum, ad nauseum, over That's and right. over again, and we'll answer any questions, <laughs> concerns, comments. If you hate us, let us know. Yes. Uh, if you really do think gentlemen's terrible, let us know. Yeah. Um, 
And then we'll send you a little something back, mm-hmm. depending on what you say to us. Mm-hmm. Right. If you say gentleman's terrible, you might get a different response from us. Yeah. It's all a tone. Yeah, exactly. We read between the lines, right, Brian? Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> so get in touch with us. Uh, you can also uh, stop by Facebook or Twitter or send us an email, howdyatgentleman.com. Um, so anyway, Glenn, well, let's get into some actual stuff for the episode because uh, it's time. Well, I don't know about you, Brian, but... I'm thirsty. Yeah. Uh, no AC makes Glenn thirsty. So, I, <laughs> worst leading ever there. I, uh, I, it was my turn to pick up the beer, and I picked up a uh, beer from a brewery that is just a stone's throw away from Lawrence, Kansas. And by stone's throw, I mean four hours. Right. Uh, you should know, because you just drove through there. <laughs> well, actually the other direction, but yeah, Schlafly, yeah. which is located in St. Louis, and they have a summer lager. Now, I think this is going to be a lot like the um, sweeter, like, uh, you know, lemon... You know, what's uh, Lightning Kugel's, uh, the Shandies, oh, stuff summer like that? Shandy. I think it is, but I'm not for certain. Okay. Um, I was quickly picking this out from the liquor store while my family was sitting in the car. Right. Uh, so, That's a good dad. Would. Yeah, yeah. Come on, kids! <laughs> Pile in! <laughs> Uh, yeah. Daddy's getting beer. <laughs> no talking. Stay in your seat. No talking. Uh, right. So, anyway, we have the Schlafly Summer Lager. It's a Hella style. Mm-hmm. And um, just reading from the label here, it's a bright golden beer, perfect for summertime, which is good because I'm feeling summery right about now. Yeah. Uh, the malts are wonderful. Blah, blah, blah. Noble Hop Mittelfru mm-hmm. lends a mild, lemony, spicy flavor. Okay. So, so mild lemony. All right, that sounds good. Yeah, I like, I do like the shandies in, in in some sense where they're like not very sweet. If they're not sweet, I enjoy them a lot. So I'm hoping this is like that. Yeah, um, uh, summer shandy, you can only have a few of them uh, before. That's right. You have to move you, on to whiskey before you have to put your head over the balcony and hurl. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, just a couple more stats on this. You said the price was eight fifty. Eight fifty, which is the median. That, that exact. is the exact line of <clears throat> what we find is kind of the middle price for mm-hmm. six packs of craft beer in mm-hmm. the Midwest and Kansas. Uh, the alcohol by volume four point five percent. The IBUs seventeen. The SRM three point four. The process mm-hmm. German style Hellas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grains, pale, yeah, euro, pills and carapils. So yeah, I haven't had carapils in a while. It's been a while. Yeah, that's that's kind of it's. It, we don't find those in a lot of the other beers we do. So the carapils that'll be interesting to um, to taste. Yeah, and these and this German hop Mittelfru. Yeah, is mm-hmm. uh, it's sure to be a winner. Well, they say the hops are Mittelfru <laughs> and uh, actually Magnum. <laughs> Now I don't know if that has to if that's Magnum PI yeah. or 357 or, Magnum. Right, right. I don't know. We're gonna find out. You certainly will. <clears throat> Either way. Cheers. Cheers, my friend. Ooh, that's a big drink of that. Ooh. It's pretty good though. Mm. It's not very sweet. No, not at all. Just just enough. Just enough of enough of something. Just slightly sweet. Very malty. Yeah. Roasty. This is good. I like this a lot actually. Too. You taste the lemon, but it's mm. not like punching you in the face. Yeah, this is real good. Mm. Yeah, oh man. 
Yeah, that's good. Okay. It's this is a this is like a set it and forget it kind of beer. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Man, and and, and unlike the other shandies that we've tried in this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, you could have more than one. Yes. Without getting the jitters, I could have six. You could well, you could have <laughs> three more. It looks like because <laughs> my wife took the other one. So. Yeah, it's real good. Okay, well. Glenn, um, if you had to give your own personal rating to this beer, what would you uh, what would you say that would be? Uh, you know, I uh, I think for what it is that it's a shandy, um, I like it a lot. I like it a whole lot. Well, it's not a shandy. It's a I'm sorry, summer lager. Summer lager. I'm calling it a shandy. It's not a shandy. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like a shandy, but not really. Not quite. For yeah. being a for being a crisp summer lager, I think it does it really well. Yeah. Um, I, man, given that the price is just right where it needs to be, it's, it's not, you know, their website's not trying to make, you know, bold uh, claims. Yeah, outrageous claims that they've invented the spaghetti noodle. I mean, right. Uh, I think, uh, I think I'm going to have to give it an 87. 87, really? Yeah, I like it. I was right at 86. Really? Yeah. <laughs> we, so. We've been right around. Low to mid eighties a lot lately. Yeah, and I'm not just saying that because Glenn gave his answer first. Next time we should say like one, two, three. <laughs> yeah, thirty-five. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, you look. You, I could tell. I could see the surprise in your face because yeah. it was like, bang, bang. Yeah. No, this is real good. Okay, so let's type some facts in the MTS computer. Mm-hmm. That's and, mustache twist scale. That's right. Um, it's a empirical scientific. Computer algorithm that proprietary, Glenn, proprietary, copyrighted, trademark, pending, patent pending. Yeah, um, that we we developed ourselves, and this is the only, the world's only scientific algorithm to determine a rating for a beer. Yes. So, uh, anyway, we not to toot our own horn too much, mm. you know. What I mean? But we are, you know, the creators of the only empirical scientific method for beer rating. rating. Yeah. You know, but anyway. Uh, okay, Glenn. So we said uh, the alcohol by volume was four and a half. Yes. The IBUs are seventeen. Yes. <clears throat> the price was eight fifty, which is good. Uh, it's a Hell's style. The SRM was three point four, uh, and the yeast was a German lager. Uh, the hops were Mittelfruch and <laughs> Magnum. And I think that's all we need to know. I think the MTS has enough information with that. I think so. To come up with an empirical rating for this beer. So let's give it one second, and I'm going to grab this thing off here in a sec, and then we'll know. Oh, is it already here? Oh, yeah. I just tore the last sheet. I hope that's okay. Okay. Um, Hot off the presses, we got the MTS score right here. Mm -hmm. Uh, For convenience, Glenn just took the last... Usually, I kind of thumb through the whole thing. Right. Uh, And it's been growing in, 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 you know, 90s of pages. Uh, but anyway, uh, this 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 beer actually came in at eighty six point five. That is insane. Eight six five. The MTS also thinks it's highly rated. <clears throat> That's impressive. That's really impressive. And uh, you know, Shoffley's gotten some high ratings from us before. I think they have. And it just shows that the mustache twist scale is uh, they they're not biased. No, you know what I mean it's not biased. Because uh, Missouri, it's a Missouri brewery. I, I was just about to say, Brian, Schlafly is the brewery that I love to hate. No, no, it's that I hate to love. Yes. Because mm-hmm. I've been there, 
I didn't I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, I'm not a big fan of St. Louis. I'm sorry if you're from St. Louis, but I just but Kansas has a long history with Missouri. <laughs> and oh yeah, the border war. That absolutely. There's been bad blood between Missouri and Kansas going back to what the early 1800s. That's right. Uh, so, but but anyway. yeah, of all all the breweries that I've been to, it's one of my least favorite. But they consistently put out good beers. They're that good we beers. Like. Hey, doesn't matter what they. You it know. can it can be made in the you know. Uh, bathtub in uh, my basement. Oh. If it, <laughs> if it's good, even if it's from a bathtub. Little bathtub hooch. Uh, anyway, okay, Glenn. Well, I stopped on over to beersnob.com to check out what their rating on this beer was, and they had an 81, <laughs> which is obviously underrated. Let me let me just take a guess here, Brian. Too unassuming. Too yeah. You know, too smooth. It's it doesn't have you know. It doesn't. It doesn't make have your a face pucker up. There's not you. a bear on the front of it. Yeah, there's a guy uh, fighting a bear. They didn't invent hops in right, the 1600s. Right. They're not using the Muggles hops. Well, anyway, no, no one cares what the beer snobs think. Nope. This is a good beer, no. and you should go get some if you can. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, let's uh, get into some interesting posts from gentlemen.com in the last two weeks or so. All right. Well, first up, we have a tech from our good buddy Zamus. Mm-hmm. Zamus is a stalwart mm-hmm. member of Gentleman. That's right. Um, and he has posted something, actually quite recently, mm-hmm. that caught my attention. Yes. Um, and uh, it is this, a story from the Daily Mail. So take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. This but, is from <laughs> a UK rag here. Right. But the title the title will get you. U.S. Army veteran rescues bald eagle dangling upside down from a rope in a tree. 75-foot tree. Right. This Army veteran, Jason Galvin, who did a couple of tours in Afghanistan, was um, he was on a bait run when he spotted a, which I'm guessing is going to buy fish bait. I guess. Is this a, is this a, a English thing that I don't understand? I, no, I don't think so. I think it just means he was going to buy maybe bait for fishing. That's what yeah, I, okay, that's what I, I thought. But anyway, he spotted this eagle, eagle hanging upside down he, with a rope attached to his leg and it just kind of hanging there. And, uh, but... It was in a tree that was just, uh, sort of, like Brian said, 75 feet off the ground. Right. So, pretty tough spot to be in if you're an eagle. Mm-hmm. And so, Jason called it in, and they said that they couldn't rescue it because it was just too high up in the air. Right. Who's going to climb 75 feet in a tree to get an eagle? Like That's right. Know, not going to happen. So, what is what is a, what does an army vet do who's done a couple tours? He says, I know how to get this guy down. Hold on. And he proceeds to shoot uh, 150 shots from his 22 right uh, at the tree, mm-hmm. not trying to hit the eagle, of course, no. but to break the rope and the branches. Mm-hmm. And yep. he eventually it took him 90 minutes. 90 minutes. And he finally um, he mowed down three branches in the rope, holding up the eagle. So the eagle that must have been a tense 90 minutes for that eagle. Yeah, right I there. I would imagine after uh, a couple days. It said that the eagle had been there for a couple days. Yeah. Wouldn't end your two days hanging from a tree no kidding. to get uh, 150 bullets shot at you. Uh, <laughs> Just take me now. <laughs> my, uh, my favorite thing about this was that it says uh, before this went down, after they called and, you know, Galvin uh, Galvin was resolute. He wanted to get this eagle down from there. It was mm-hmm. it was Fourth of July time, and he's like, that's our, you know, that's our eagle up there. That's we right. We need to that's right. step up here. He said uh, before he did that, uh, at one point Galvin joked that he might have to shoot the eagle down, and his wife responded by telling him, "That's what you're gonna do." <laughs> wow! 
Uh, but uh, you know, a twenty two is it's a it's a very small bullet. You know. Yeah. It's, so yeah. And uh, so I mean, it's it's an awesome tool for doing exactly what it did, which is just obliterating branches, <laughs> basically. But uh, the, yeah, it's, it has a happy ending. But it sounds like the uh, so they got the the eagle fell down from the tree. Its fall was cushioned by several layers of branches until it basically hit the ground. Yeah. But uh, then he was able to take it to the University of Minnesota's uh, wildlife. Uh, or sorry, University of Minnesota's Raptor Center, mm-hmm. which is a rehabilitation center that specializes in medical care for eagles and other large birds. And now, uh, Freedom, as Galvin dubbed him, is yes. recovering and doing well. Freedom lives on. So, um, cool story. That's crazy. I, I <laughs> that's just a scenario that you don't, you just don't see a lot of. Uh, well, you see ever. Yeah. Um, eagle stuck in tree by a rope. Guy shooting eagle down. I'm just curious about how he even noticed that it was 75 feet's a long ways. That's like a, you know. This isn't your average Joe, all right? This guy, he's been around. Yeah. He's seen some things. Mm -hmm. He's probably looking for snipers. Um, But anyway, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what a 4th of July. Uh, (laughs) 150 around. He said he cleared it with the local sheriff or something like that, and he got the go-ahead to go ahead and start shooting. He wasn't just like... He didn't cowboy. (laughs) Yeah. Hang on, freedom! Yeah. Uh, so anyway, get you down. All well, all's well that ends well. Uh, Freedom has is recovering strongly. Uh, Galvin celebrated the uh, Fourth of July in a patriotic way by shooting, by freeing an eagle. That's right. Um, so anyway, uh, great story. Thanks for posting that, the moose. Uh, up next, we have another wildlife story, mm-hmm. and this was found by. Our good friend Trig Joe, and I'm really glad that he did find this because this story is this is amazing. I mean, I was reading this and I just I could not stop laughing. Uh, yeah, this is amazing. This is called "Man Punches a Bear in Ontario and Walks Away with Only a Few Scratches," and this was posted. This is a story on the Guardian, another uh, UK news organization. And uh, this tells the story of Rick Nelson, uh, who spent years as a featherweight boxer, which would come in handy on this day. Um, he was walking his dog when a black bear cub hopped out of the bushes. Oof. And a uh, 61-year-old guy, the, the cub is so startled by him that he gives out a yelp and then starts screaming. And the bear scream. The, the bear scream. And... Uh, Rick uh, gets a little scared at this point because he knows what the cub is, is screaming for. He's screaming for his mom. Right. And it wasn't long before <laughs> mom arrives on the scene, a 320-pound black bear. Um, and so the uh, the black bear ran up on him, basically, uh, got up vertical to get in fighting stance. Yeah. And <sighs> Rick Nelson went back to his... Uh, his uh, old fighting days. That's right. He remembered his training as a featherweight boxer and started to prepare himself to box a freaking bear. <laughs> okay, so the, the article says, Nelson looked around him. He had nothing to fight the bear off with. No rocks or sticks, but he had spent a lot of time in the ring perfecting his boxing technique. The bear took a swing at him, and Nelson responded with a right-hand jab. <laughs> Grazing the bear's lips and teeth and tearing up his knuckles in the process. The bear, st- the bear struck back 
uh, carving inches long gashes in Nelson's face and chest. Whoa. Says uh, N- Nelson readied himself to n- take another swing at the bear, and he said, "This is amazing." <laughs> so, I knew it would swing first with his left, but it would really come with its right because most bears are right-handed. Yep. Yep. Well, that's that's basic. <laughs> I guess I didn't know that. Uh, so anyway, he said. Uh, so so anyway, he landed another punch, and he said he he landed exactly how he hoped it would. He said I did an underhand. And hit it right in the snout. Oh. And uh, he said, believe me, when you got a drill and pump and you can hit. Even at 61 with gray hair, I can still hit hard. That's right. And uh, so anyway, in the meantime, the cub is starting to kind of get away. Cub's freaked out. He wants to get out of there. So he starts running away. And uh, now Rick's thinking, what's going to happen next? Is the bear going to come after me some more or is he going to follow the cub? And it turns out he, he looked at the bear and the bear had a bloody nose, a bloody snout, and said it took a couple more snorting looks, blood, a couple more looks at him, and then trotted off into the distance, and that was the end of it. Wow, Brian, I got to ask you: <clears throat> you're in the woods. Uh, a 320 pound bear comes crashing towards you. What is your first inclination? What's the first thing you do? I think uh, they say you're supposed to protect, like play dead. You're yeah. supposed to just curl up and hmm. pretend like you're no threat. Now, if you run across a mountain lion, you're supposed to engage it. And you're supposed to, like... Get big? Get as big as you can and start screaming. Okay. You know? But okay. with a bear, you're supposed to just basically pee yourself. Which that's... Is, which would be my... That's what I was going to say. That's the tactic that I would use. Down my leg, yes. And then... I would act like I was so afraid and <laughs> method act right. in that right. way. Right, it's like, right. you know... To, all, right. all right, what's my motivation? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm very scared right now, even though I'm not... Um, so that's probably my, yeah, that's probably what I would do. Okay. Well, mine, mine was going to be pee down leg and then just run and scream right. like a, you know, the problem with that is that bears are so quick. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm not saying it was the right thing to do. I'm just saying like my instinct, I think I'd probably freeze. And I think that happens to a lot of people. I read some story and I, we might've talked about it on a previous podcast <laughs> with uh, a guy in the, in the, in a river or something. And is this the guy that punched? No, like we've had a couple of stories about Man, bears, but I love this podcast. <laughs> um, there was there was one, and I, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or not, but I remember reading a story where a guy was in a stream somewhere, and he basically took a dip down, came back up, and there was a bear like, right, right in his face. He said he could smell his breath; he was so close to him, and he said that they just looked at each other for you know. He said it seemed like forever, but it was probably only a few seconds. They just kind of were face to face, and he didn't know what to do. He just stood there looking at him, and the bear just kind of decided, yeah, just <laughs> turned around and walked away. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so I don't know. Bears, I, I don't know. But I like this guy's style. He, he went back to his training. He's like, okay, well, we got to do this. What do I know? Yeah. Bears are righties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, not a southpaw. I can just imagine him shadow boxing <laughs> the bear, you know? Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, pretty amazing, man. It's pretty amazing. Oh. But hopefully the bear recovered. You know, we don't like to see any brutality on bears. The guy's a featherweight boxer. Yeah. He's got skills. Crying out loud. Uh, and, you know, Rick, Rick took his... Took his punishment a little bit too. He got some claw marks in his in his chin or whatever. So uh, anyway, he says though he says that uh, black bears aren't as dangerous as people think they are, 
and that it's only a problem if you get involved with their cubs. Ah, well, that makes sense. Basically, he said that, you know, most times, like, bears aren't going to mess with you because they don't have any reason to, but if they're trying to protect their cubs, they're going to come after you. So, anyway, good story. Wow. So, anyway, thanks, uh, <laughs> thanks uh, Trig Joe, for posting that because I really enjoyed reading it and you can you can check out this link i'm gonna put this link up on podcast.gentleman.com if you want to right. actually read it because i didn't do it nearly enough justice as to how cool it was give but. it its proper due exactly anyway glenn um so what's next all right brian well last but not least our good buddy demon has posted a tack that um has had me uh had me this is hard to digest <laughs> i like that it's titled, Time to Savor the Squirrel Again? And it's an article by the National Geographic. And this article um, kind of paints an obvious point that people don't eat squirrel like they used to. Right. Which is a shame, apparently. Uh, squirrel used to be considered fine dining. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of fell out of flavor. Excuse me. Fun, kind of fell out of favor. Right. Uh, once... Uh, well, a couple things happened. Once, uh, people kind of likened eating squirrel to backwoods. Yeah. Because um, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, hill people, you know, people in rural areas would right. eat it uh, mm-hmm. routinely. And also, uh, in the 90s, there was a, um, a study that was done that basically said that squirrel brains, eating squirrel brains is a, a, basically a carcinogen. Right. Um, which they said it was like the, the squirrel version of mad cow. Yeah. Well, and that too, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's not 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 exactly a, a, a yeah good good thing right. for for squirrel eating advocates. Mm-hmm. But the National Geographic um, article asks the question: Why don't we? Why don't we eat the squirrel? Because this those studies have been have come out and later found that that's actually not maybe not the case about the mad squirrel disease and right. Um, so the study's been discredited. Yeah. If you if you eat a lot of squirrel brains, I'm, I'm sorry, we alarmed you. That's not really right. It turns out that that's not an accurate study. Though I question your sanity anyway. Well, I, I say. <laughs> the, point, the point of this article is that squirrels are really a good food source. Yeah. Because there's so many of them that you could... They said that you could eat 80% of the squirrels and there would be no problem for the squirrels. Not for so, Brian. Yeah, well... <laughs> I, look, I'm behind this 100%. Because I hate... I have so many squirrels. I mean, they're always running around everywhere. Always running around the trees and jumping around. They, they make it, like... They make a good point that um, one of the reasons why people stopped being interested in eating these animals is because squirrels are freaking rodents. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Okay. Yep. They're relative. They're of mice and rats, and yep. that's what I call them: tree rats. Tree rats. It's good. Um, so that I think that gives it a stigma. Probably. But according to even some star chefs, James Beard, my friend, they say that it's got the you know a nutty flavor to mm-hmm. the meat because mm-hmm. they stuff themselves with uh, nuts every day. So I don't know, man. Would you try a squirrel? Oh, I try it. I try anything. I'd once. probably try it. I'd probably try it. I, I, I don't know how I'd want it cooked, though. I know. If it's, I would probably just want it au natural. Just to so kind of get a... you'd be interested in the squirrel sushi, which is mentioned in the article. No, no, I would not. I, I, I can't get on board with that. That freaks me out. What does squirrel sushi entail? Well, and, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, not the tail. I think it. I think it. In, I think it includes some raw part of squirrel, which I just uh-huh. can't. Which I just that would can't. Just, be terrible. just can't really get on board with I anything can't. other than fish. Really, I can't eat raw if it's a meat. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> but yeah, it also mentions a New Brunswick stew, which I've never had, which I've heard mentioned quite a few times. It's just a thing that people. Uh, it's made with, it used to be made with squirrel, and mm-hmm. now it's used. It, they use chicken, or but it's a huge dish. I think more on the eastern seaboard mm-hmm. type areas. Yeah. Um, but said, even as as recently as the nineteen seventies, uh, cookbooks have included recipes for uh, for that. So uh, one one interesting last thing about this was that uh, American gray squirrels were introduced to Britain in the eighteen seventies, and ever since. Uh, they've been messing up the English squirrels. And the English squirrels are red squirrels. The Americans are gray. Yeah. And so they have campaigns. <laughs> they have the, the, some British uh, Save Our Squirrels campaign um, is Save a Red, Eat a Gray. Yeah. Look, I don't know about those red coat squirrels. <laughs> Americans come over there. American squirrels come over to Britain, start messing stuff That's up. That's right. You know, That's right. I'm fine with that. That's right. It's called capitalism. People. Red coats came over to America <laughs> in the 1700s. What, what are they complaining about? Exactly. I mean, the, the English were were rampant imperialists. I mean, Exa- yeah. Come on. It's a country of imperialists. We're squirrel imperialists. Yeah. It's. I, I'm behind the gray squirrel. That's right. Uh, but but in the states though, you know, nobody picks on your brother but you, right? Right. So this is this is our, the, the American squirrel, our little brother, and I think we can pick on it. And eat a lot of them. What do you say? What do you say that, Brian? I mean, I don't know about eating a lot of them, but I would try one once. I don't know if I'd go in my backyard and go trap one right. of them. And, and okay, think about this. You try a squirrel mm-hmm. and you like it. Yeah. Now, now, you know that you don't got, have to go to the store anymore. You never have to go to the store. Nope. Store. There's gonna be squirrel in your freezer twenty four seven. Yeah. That might be a happy squirrel chili. Squirrel chili. Squirrel burgers, squirrel sliders. Yep, mm-hmm. you could do a squirrel pizza. Yep, um, and all kinds of stuff. So biscuit squirrel and gravy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to try it first, um, and I'd be a little bit weirded out by eating the a squirrels rope that rope are rope. like hanging around in my house. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess the only thing they eat is like nuts. So yeah, and they're evil little guys. They are evil. They are. I would have no problem. Nope. Often, I mean, pow, 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 pow. you know, sometimes you look at your at a deer and you're like, right. "Oh man, I don't know if I can yeah kill this deer." That, that, that's too bad, you know. Yeah, that's a shame. Squirrels, like I no, I will mow them down. Do, yeah, <laughs> if I could shoot a twenty-two rifle at the much like Sergeant Gavin, that's right. Um, I would, I would really, I, that would be the funnest. Thing in the world, if I could sit in my backyard and just with a twenty-two and knock off these squirrels, that would be enjoyable. So anyway, I, I'm behind this. I'm one hundred percent behind this. I will try squirrel if it's ever offered to me. Yep. Uh, you know, I almost posted a video from YouTube that I found last week, and it was a guy showing tell me about this showing how to clean a squirrel, like field clean a squirrel. Yeah. Excuse me. Field field dress a squirrel. Right. <clears throat> And it was it was kind of interesting, but also pretty graphic. So I didn't post it. So I thought that might make people a little just, yeah. you know, sick. There, there's a line there, <clears throat> but yeah, you know, right. Anyway, well, 
I guess I'll have to re like refer to that video. And uh, I think as we talked about on the podcast before, I've read the regulations of the city of Lawrence, Kansas <laughs> very closely. And I believe that a bow and arrow yep. is slingshot, bow and arrow, a slingshot, crossbow, a crossbow are all legal weapons that I could shoot on my property in Lawrence, Kansas and not be violating any laws. They would, they would have to, they would have to, uh, really, really look closely at their, at their laws and the, the, the wording and. I would I would get the best lawyer, and uh, <laughs> you know, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. The crossbow fits. <laughs> you must acquit. Quits. <laughs> um, anyway, Glenn. All right, let's get off this yeah. topic. Yeah, we've, we've um, talked about this quite a bit. It's time for the uh, toast this week, Glenn. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is again a very sad toast to make, but I had to do this because. Um, I find I found out that the director of probably one of my top three favorite movies yeah. of all time, and that's saying something because mm -hmm. I watch a lot of movies. Uh, to make a movie that was on my short list as one of the best that I've ever watched is pretty impressive. And this guy, Robin Hardy, um, he's the director of the original. 1970s Wicker Man. Uh, unfortunately, Nick Cage did a remake of this movie that basically is probably the one people are more familiar with. But Robin Hardy created this movie called The Wicker Man, and it is uh, it's a classic British film now. Though at the time it was it got no press, no one went to go see it. In fact, Christopher Lee, yep. who stars in it. Who yep. you might know from Sauron, from uh, Lord of the Rings, and a bunch of other awesome films. Christopher Lee's an yeah, awesome actor, uh, and he he actually said this was his favorite role. But he Christopher Lee was so into this film that not only did he work for free on it because it was having financial problems, really, uh, but he also offered any critic that would go watch the movie that he would go pay for their ticket to go watch it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So he was pretty into it. Um, and anyway, this, this article calls it an eerie and almost unclassifiable film that maintains an atmosphere of doom and dread while foregoing most of the hallmarks of horror. The Wicker Man received an indifferent release and little promotion. Um, but Lee, who played L Lord Summerisle in the movie, even offered to buy film critics tickets if they wanted to go see it. So anyway. What a guy. Uh if you haven't seen it, it's really weird. Like, it's really weird and bizarre and hard to understand. Um, but I think the I, the concept for it was very strong. And there's this whole thing about... Basically, the storyline is that they go to... Um, there's a, a police officer that goes to investigate a murder on a... Like, an Irish island that is full of pagans. And, you know, there's a lot of suspense and stuff like that that goes along with that. And... Uh, Anyway, I think it's a great movie, and uh, it's a little weird, it's a little out there, but it was very original and very cool for the time it was in. Anyway, Robert Hardy directed it, and he recently passed away, um, and he only directed two other movies, and they were kind of lightly regarded. He, he did some other stuff in film, but this was the only movie he ever did um, that was really notable, yeah. you know? Uh, but he was a super talented guy, and uh, anyway... Uh, Passed away at 86 years old. 
So, ripe old age. Ripe old age. And look, he created a movie that people consider one of the classics of British cinema now, even though no one gave it its just due back in the day. Man, so I, uh, I I have not seen this movie yet, and I need to. It's on my short list of movies that Brian recommends that Glenn needs to see. Yeah, it really is. It's actually at the top because I know it's one of your favorite ones. Well, you, you but you're not you don't like it's not really a horror movie. I, I like I like weird like I love um, uh, Hitchcock movies. So but it's kind of a cross between a yeah it's kind of a it's cross between a suspense movie and a horror movie. I mean, there's definitely some weird. Stuff yeah, going on. There. I don't like modern horror right. movies. I, it's not like a jump out at you, yeah, 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 yeah. kind of thing. It's kind of like, way different. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just very unsettling. Yeah. yeah, very unsettling. I don't mind idea. that. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. It's kind of one of those movies where you just don't really know what's going on the whole time, mm-hmm. and uh, towards the end, everything kind of comes together and it all makes sense. But it was, I feel like it was a little bit ahead of its time, and I think that's probably true because they, you know, it, no one even said anything about it back when it came out I mean it was they didn't even, couldn't even find it at theaters or anything like that and now it's it's regarded as one of the the, the best movies in that British cinema so this probably seems like one of those movies that a lot of people not copied but you know used elements yeah. of or yeah. it's, it's, it's a very influential absolutely uh, I think a lot of the modern directors now mention it as something that was is influential influential yes yeah, yeah. stuff they do so anyway uh, a toast to Robin Hardy um, unfortunately passed away but made one of the greatest movies of all time wow. according to me according to Brian and that means and that is fact true. yeah yep. okay alright well that means it's time for the um buddy Uh, and this week, Glenn, <clears throat> whew, uh, I may have just woken up my children. <laughs> um, so there's been a there's been a disturbance in the force. Yes, um, in the sequel force. There's, a, there's so many reboots and sequels. It's a dizzying situation. Full house. Yeah. Full you know, house. Uh, Fuller house. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically every 80s movie you can think 21 Jump Street you know what I mean yeah like Miami Vice Miami Vice oh. they're remaking everything how dare they do that they Don Johnson every was every movie <laughs> or TV show from the 80s or 90s has been remade seriously Night Rider I, I can't think of any of it yeah what hasn't been remade um, they're remaking Baywatch right now yeah uh, um, so anyway. which is awful which I find <laughs> yeah I'm despicable I would never no um, never watched that back in the day. Um, as a 10 year old, um, mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the thing is they've been talking about doing a Goonies sequel mm-hmm. for a long time, apparently. And, uh, Corey Feldman came out in the news recently and he said, uh, look, the director, Richard Donner, he's 87 years old. Uh, it's like, no one really wants to make it without him. He's the driving force behind it. He said it's still alive, but we all know when you get to that age, things slow down quite a bit. So there's a big possibility this Goonies sequel isn't going to happen, Glenn. Is that good or is it bad? Yeah, I don't know. So which... <clears throat> the Mad Max director. How old is he? He's up there. Is he 85? He's Yeah, he's pretty up there. Okay. so He got it done. And he did get it done. Big time, <clears throat> yeah. In both critics and box office, yeah. loved it. Yeah, Brian loved it. So I yeah. got to see it. Well, did you love it? You liked it a lot. I liked it. 
Yeah, I didn't love it. Okay, okay. But, I didn't want to put words uh, in your mouth. But if, for as old as that guy is, I mean, that was impressive. Yeah. It was, it was really impressive. And it's not... Uh, and, and the Goonies is not going to have to be of that caliber of... Uh, right, there's not a special... They don't have like a like guy swinging between cars yeah, that's yeah. actually real and all that stuff. Yeah. Right, it's just, you know... Okay, say your lines. Yeah. Okay. All right, Feld- Feldman. Feldman. All right, mouth. Mouth. Let's go. I I am torn between this, uh, between between the two stances that I can take. Is it good? Is it bad? Right. Is it does the does the you know youthful little Glenn want to see this movie? He absolutely does. Right. But what youthful little Glenn doesn't understand is that these are forty five, fifty year old people yeah. now. The kids are all like in their late forties. Yeah. So would it be like they have kids who are doing stuff or? I mean, how, how does this all work? Do they go and they try to refine it again, which would, could be kind of interesting, but still, right. uh, the, the, what made this great is that these were precocious kids who mm-hmm. were trying to come of age and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah, so that's, so I don't, I don't know. I think it all comes down to how they execute it. I mean, they have to, and the thing, the pro, the problem is they have to execute it perfectly for it to they be do. worth a damn. They do. They have to nail it, and they and it says that Steven Spielberg, Chris Columbus, the writer, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Richard Donner, the director, they're all on board with making this thing. So what's stopping it? That's what I want to know. I bet it's Sean Astin. I well, maybe. I don't know, um, but uh, but yeah, it's all in the execution. Here's my thing, though. I would say the odds of them actually executing something that could. Make me want to go see it. I mean, I would go see it. But them actually executing something that would be really worth worthy of a sequel to The Goonies mm-hmm. is like one in a million. Yes. It is... The odds are astronomically against them actually doing something worth a damn. Look at Dumb and Dumber 2. Yeah. That's a perfect touchstone for this. <laughs> you had the same actors... The same everybody, Ugh. and it couldn't have failed more miserably. Oh, dumb and dumber too. Okay, yeah. Because the thing is, the Goonies, oh, the Goonies, like Dumb and Dumber, original Dumb and Dumber was a castaway underrated classic. But it's classic. Yeah, it's awesome because they had a. It was just a. There was something about it. it was just like the right time and perfect. And Jim Carrey was just coming on and all this stuff. And the Goonies was. You know, all those actors—they were just kids. Nobody's, and, yeah, nobody's, and a lot of a lot of them are actually really famous now because um, of that movie. Because of that movie, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a great storyline, great mm-hmm. plot line. It was the '80s, and yep. there's something about that whole thing. Yep. How do you revisit yep. that magic? You know what I mean? I'll tell you how you try to revisit, Ryan. You can't. No, you know you why? Can't. If you go to the Goonies' house in uh, in Oregon mm-hmm. on the coast, where is that? I can't remember the city it's in. Astoria. Mm. Uh, you can't go to that house anymore. Did they demolish it? No, she. They sold it. Oh, and well, she can't. She. That's always, basically. They you basically. Can, you can get around that. Okay. That's, that's a that's a terrible segue. But but, but but yeah, I. You can't go home, Glenn. That's who they say. says you can't go home? Uh, no, I I hope they stop doing these remakes. They, they won't. The thing that you know, I'm just not gonna. One of the things um, that I really pre- like, you know. There's there's some series on the BBC that were very successful, mm-hmm. like The Office. Yes, but they could have gone on. 
mm-hmm. and they could have they were getting high ratings they could have made the office 10 seasons yep you know could still be going it's still be going three seasons and they're out you know there's another uh series that are like called space on the bbc yeah yeah two seasons done yeah. that's it and when you go back and watch them, they're special and magic because there was only two seasons. There's only three seasons, and every everything's high level. It's all great. You don't get to see them get into seasons four and five when things start to degrade or the, this mm-hmm. writer leaves and it's not good, and then you know it's dragging on. Things are great because they're finite. Exactly. And the Goonies is over. Yep. And you can't go back. You can't go back to it. You can't recreate it. You could. <clears throat> But it would be, like I said, I'm giving the odds on this. I would bet my house against them actually doing a movie. I've been surprised before, but, you know, with these sequels. But, I know. Yeah, I don't know. Like you said, I mean, I when I watch TV series, yeah, um, there's I can't think of any TV series that was better after season three. Right. It just goes downhill. Yeah. There's a, there's a window. You just, yeah, you can't. Yeah, you know? know, and my favorite season is usually always season one, maybe season two. Right? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's like everybody. I don't know. Yeah, it's like the best ideas are there. Right. Yeah. You know? Um. So anyway. yeah, I don't know. I, can't, I was trying to think of an example of a remake, a reboot of something that was actually lived up to its its predecessor. I would say I had a couple. Of, I was thinking about this too. Oh, okay. No, me personally, now I'm biased. I really like these movies. But the Ocean's Eleven, the Ocean's movies, right. Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. I think is way better than the original. Now, I, I know that's... Uh, with, oh, the original. Pack. Okay, right. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, also, <laughs> I don't think it's that great of a movie, but I would definitely say, I've watched both. Uh, the Italian Job. Uh, I was, yeah, okay. The original Italian with uh, Michael Caine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Mark, Marky Mark, mm-hmm. the Funky Bunch. Right. Uh, I, I think it's better, even though it's you know not cinematic gold. But it's been yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen that. I mean, I think I watched it <laughs> ten years the ago. New, the new one when it came out, ten, yeah, ten years ago, two thousand four or five or something. Like that. I, I don't think I can think of a remake that was actually, you know, like a reboot of something that was actually legit. Like I don't, I can't think of anything. Else. I'm sure I could think of one if I tried. Yeah, once we once we close this up. Yeah, but um, but I mean, there's just so many that fail. You know, Batman. Some of the Batman movies. Yeah, Batman's kind of an ongoing thing. I Star yeah, Star true. Trek, Star Trek, definitely. Um, yeah, Star Trek. You know that the, the newer Star Treks are pretty legit. Yeah. Um, and the old Star Treks are good too. Yeah, I was gonna say it's hard to say if they're better, but yeah, um, but it lives up to it. New Star Wars, oh. new Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, new Star Wars. Yeah. That's true. That's probably the biggest example. Man, that'd be hard. That'd be hard to, but that'd be hard to say it's better. Yeah. Oh, I well, don't, anyway, you can't really. Yeah. The thing is, is that the writing for this movie, the 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 direction. This isn't like you know, one of the best movies of all time. What made it great is that it was just from a time period. It, right. it epitomizes a time period. Right. And they kind of hit gold with all the kids that they cast in it. Okay, the only the only way I'm on board with this mm-hmm. is if they get rid of this Richard Donner guy and bring mm-hmm. in J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams. That, That's all they need. Okay, it's problem Done. solved. Because he did Super 8. Super 8's almost like a little Goonies-ish. It is. Yeah. It, yeah, a little darker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So, there you go. Problem solved. J.J. Abrams. Super Goonies. Done. Done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we need to get Man. to Hollywood. We need to call some people. <laughs> You know, we almost did with that Dumb and Dumber contest. I know. So, we need to call up 
uh, whoever's in charge of this, Spielberg, mm-hmm. we need to call up Steven Spielberg and be like, look, dude. Stevie, 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 Stevie. <sighs> babe, babe, listen. Abrams is coming off the Star Wars thing. He needs something else. He needs a different direction. This is exactly what he, he needs, needs right challenge. now. Exactly. Goonies, too. Good. And I, I want to be sloth. <laughs> a cane and a walker. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Glenn. Okay, well, let's move on uh, from that. What a great movie. I'm going to go watch it again. Yeah, exactly. Um, and <clears throat> this is oh, the final thing we're going to talk about tonight, which is the questions from the gentleman mailbag. Yes. And uh, this week, Glenn, I was reading this story about uh, in Brooklyn. Yes. They're actually doing this. They're, they're, they're putting up a statue of Captain America. And uh, apparently Captain America, a famous comic book hero that has also spawned two, multiple, more than two, hit Hollywood movies. Yeah, lots of them. Um, he, he's from Brooklyn, apparently. And uh, yep. I think in the comic books he has a quote that he says, he's just a kid from Brooklyn. That's right. He's you just know? a kid from Brooklyn. Uh, so anyway, Brooklyn, they're putting up a statue to Captain America. And this got me thinking, though. It's like... If you could commission a statue for someone, uh, what statue would you commission and where would you put it? Um, this took me a while. Um, I think of all of our great historical figures for this country, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think of you know the past, maybe great sports mm-hmm. figures. There's a lot of people out you there. You know, but... Gretzky, Jordan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Farva. Mm-hmm. But I think what I would have to do is I would have to commission a... How big is this statue? This is a 13-foot-tall bronze statue. A 13-foot-tall bronze statue of Chunk doing the truffle shuffle <laughs> on Cannon Beach, which is the... Oh, okay. We're going to overlook the rocks where, yeah. They, where they... Yeah. Chunk, that would be a good one. That, that, that's, that's probably like tops of my list. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. By the way, a little little tangent to that. The guy who played Chunk is actually pretty fit now. No. So that well, seems to happen a lot with those child kids, stars. That, he was like 10 years old or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he is. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, I mine is very simple. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty <laughs> obvious. But I think... I would I would want to commission a stat I, I would want I would want somebody else to commission a statue of us. Oh, okay. 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 Um but <laughs> I would I'm envisioning you know 15 foot tall granite you know us in like uh Greek shrouds with like olive branches <laughs> and then like may, maybe you like pointing off in the distance yeah. and me like Thinking about something. This one's a thinker, and this one's a stinker. Um, and it's it reminds me a lot of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Like when they go in the future, mm-hmm. and then there's like statues of them, yes. and they're and you know, or they have the you know, yeah. guy, and they're you know, and that's so that's what I'm envisioning here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, except that I think the special thing about where the you know about the statues. I mean, in addition to the fact that they're big statues, big granite statues of us. Right, right. Uh, is the location of it? Okay. And uh, I think that what downtown Lawrence needs 
<laughs> Lawrence, Kansas, downtown, <laughs> where it all began. There, there's this, there's a building there mm-hmm. that's in the way, and it's at Seventh and New Hampshire, which is just off the downtown area. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be nice to have a park there. You know, that would be a good so place maybe for a park. someday fountains. Maybe someday, you know, whatever business is there isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe they go out of business. Maybe they get yeah. bought out. You yeah. know, maybe something like that happens. It's a beautiful part of town. Anyway, um, doze the hell out of that building and build a nice park there. And in the middle of the park, there should be a huge statue. That's right. Gardens around it, and like yeah. waterfalls yeah. and stuff, you know, yeah. fountains yeah. and uh, birds chirping. Mm-hmm. And you and me up in granite on the, uh, in the middle of the park. Wow, that would just be poetic. I feel like beautiful. I feel like someday we got to make that happen. Okay, well we got to. It's one of those things, though, where like you know, it's not like you can commission one for yourself. You gotta, you gotta have somebody. So, yeah, anybody listening? I'm just saying. You know, we might be able to. You know, (laughs) has any free time? Right. Yeah. You know. So we're gonna need somebody to suggest it. Basically. And finance it. And finance it. And suggest it. We're so worried about the financing. Still on details. Yeah. Really, the point is there should be a big statue of you and mm-hmm. me in downtown Lawrence. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. So anyway. I think you're right. Look, I, I just it would be for the people. That's right. You know what I mean? Yep. The people of Lawrence mm-hmm. should be able to go and visit statues of you and me. I agree. Sit on a nice park bench. I agree. You know? Yeah. I, I think it's just a, it's a majestic scene that I can, I can just envision it. I'm excited about this. Me too. I think it's going to be yeah. good. This is this is like the potties. Like we just have to start doing it, and then it's going to actually. Well, this happen. is not like the potties. <laughs> Look, all we need is a little chisel. <laughs> Building these even bulldozers. All we need. Have you seen Escape from Alcatraz? If I had a hammer. Yeah. All we need is a chisel, and we'll just. Our Shawshank Redemption. That's right. A poster of uh, what's her name? I just I'll go. You know I'll just do some taps. Read yeah. Put it in my sock. Yeah. And then I'll be walking around the grounds and yeah. let a little dust out. That's right. Then you know, twenty years later, there's no building there anymore. That's right. It's right. That be a great fit for some gardens. Wow, Brian. I so anyway. I uh, I think that's. <sighs> Look, yeah. it's in the planning stages right mm-hmm. now. So I'm just. <laughs> just throwing it out there. Yeah. We okay. just, you know, Plans are in motion. We, yeah, part of once it. you, it's it's all about starting things. Yes. So we're going to start on the statue thing. The art of the start. And uh, we'll see where it takes us. Okay. I don't know. It could lead us to a lot of great things. It, it very well could. Um, I'm probably arrested. Or yeah. Something. We're probably going to be arrested. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Um, <laughs> sir, you have to wear clothes, sir. <laughs> sir. <laughs> I got my fig leaf. <laughs> hey, Michelangelo got away with it. Barely. Yeah. He he was constantly running from the uh, the church of types. Well, I think this will be uh, universally lauded. <laughs> so, um, anyway. Wow. Speaking of universally lauded. That's right. Glenn, it's time to end the podcast for tonight. 92's in the books. 92 is done for, and so am I. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, thanks everybody for listening tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for making it over, Glenn, because you drove all the way back from Arkansas. Yes, uh, had a power outage. Yes, uh, threw my kids in the car. Threw my kids in the car. My wife and just said we're coming over to Brian's. That's right. You and guys, I need some help recording the podcast. Yep, and uh, and we got it done. Go check out a uh, Schlafly Summer Logger. Yeah, 
uh, a reasonably priced, uh, a high-rated beer. As much as it pains me to say it, it's quite tasty. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's good stuff. So anyway, Glenn. All right, well, I am Brian McKinney. I'm Liz Sansbury. Thanks for listening to episode 92. We will see you for 93. Good night. Sayonara. <laughs>